will come out, will come to play Just for recreation's sake to pass the time away Lots of fun, heaps of fun, enjoy yourself today Not Melbourne boys are hard to beat when they come out to play So join in the chorus, sing it one and all Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree Hello and welcome to the season preview edition of the Stern Look. I'm Kangaroos Forever, also known as Ben. For today's show, we have Mason Wood's biggest ever fan, Philly Rue. Welcome. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Very good. Next up, we have Quiver, also known as the immovable fridge magnet in underworld wrestling. Welcome, mate. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey, mate. How are you? Alright, and finally, I'm proud to introduce our first main guest of the year. Our guest formerly worked at North Melbourne, and now he writes the infamous Shimbona blog. Welcome, Ricky Mangdias. Thanks, thanks for having me. That's the best, best intro I've ever had, I think. Oh, beautiful. There you go. He is Tonight. very good at them. It goes downhill from here, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, that. Tonight's show is the same structure as usual, except we'll probably put bit more of a focus on the season as a whole in our preview segment. So we'll start start away with the AFL issues. So mid-season trading is back on the agenda, oh goody. And many are predicting it will be taking place as early as 2019. So what are your thoughts on this, Quiv? Um, I like it in a way, but there's got to be some firmly, firm, very firm rules in place on what can be done and I don't know if there's going to be compensation involved and who can actually be recruited or traded. They can't just chuck it in and go, it's a free-for-all, here you go, have fun with it. They, they really need to get it right from the start, I think. No worries. So would you include like free agency during that period or would you wait until the end of the year? Uh, I know it's a, it's a tough one. My, my main concern was like, let's say if they're allowed to recruit from VFL teams, where, is there some kind of compensation for them because they miss a player yeah. um, or they lose a player? To, um, how do they get compensated? And and it's all kind of again, if um, say they trade for Carlton trades to Frio, Frio's player goes down, they need their player back. What happens in that type of situation? There's a lot of stuff that really needs to be considered. Yeah, so probably not the EPL-type model that they're probably kind of thinking of in this regard. No, I don't think that's the greatest idea for this, no. No, it's a bit bit different because of the different kinds of sport we play in terms of player movement. It's probably not as varied as English football. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many options over there and a lot of available talent to do it with but not over here there's i mean you can't go recruiting kids from the younger leagues because they're just not ready and yeah it's just too small of a talent pool fair enough anything else to add gents i think we've you nailed got- it um with the dogs dogs breakfast quote but i mean uh, clearly they've looked at epl for mid-season trading but i mean i wouldn't be surprised if mid-season trading ends up morphing into just the list lodgement dates end up being later in the year. Because, I mean, at the moment, after the rookie draft, that's it. Like you set, yeah, and it's December. Like the season doesn't even start for, what, another three and a half months. I mean, say Sydney, say Sydney lost another Ruckman to add to the one. They lose one more next week. And all of a sudden, they're in need, need of a Ruck. 
they still can't do anything until any hypothetical mid-season trade point. You know, like what happens mm. if the trade points after round 12 and all of a sudden they're five and seven or four and eight? But say you can make any changes to your list up until the end of round, I don't know, round four, round five. I'd even go later. I'd really like yeah. the idea of, of putting it like at the end of the a trade deadline at the end of round 13 or round 14, closer to finals. And, and that way teams that, that are struggling can, can maybe look to improving their draft position for next year and all those sorts of things. I, th- I think that'd be a really good way to go. I love that idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then it's just like, from an AFL, I guess, AFL house perspective, they'd love it because then that's a whole other area of talk about the game and, oh, hey, Sydney are missing a ruckman. They're looking to trade something, you know, Frio, uh, say Sandy goes down and then they're four rucks that may do something else. Maybe we look to get rid of Goldie after he has you know, six blinding weeks and maybe you can get a first round pick for him if you trade him yeah, after round it. six, you know, all hypothetical, of course, Goldie, if you're listening, I'm sorry, mate. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't, I'd prefer mid-season trading to sort of morph into, I guess, more sort of NBA, NHL style where you've got a, a trade deadline sort of halfway through the season. Yeah, that's it. I agree. Fair enough. All right, so that's probably summing up all we can talk about in terms of mid-season trading. So we'll move straight into the new Q&A segment, starting with Ricky again. So you right to go, mate? Yep, hit me with all the right. cues. Righto, first up, when was the first time you ever went to an AFL game? It's, it's funny, funny you ask this, because I, for ages, I thought it was a game in 96 against West Coast. And there was a thread on Big Footy years ago, and people saying post post your first game, what happened? And I posted about this game, and I think Adam Simpson kicked the game winner with a couple of minutes. Like it was a great. Someone actually corrected me and saying that that was '98, and for, since I was ten years old, I thought that was my first game. And now I can't actually remember when my first game was. So <laughs> I actually don't know my first game. Funnily enough, because I went to the '97 prelim, I know that, and I would have gone to a couple of games before that because. You know, a prelim's not going to be your first game. So I actually don't know when my first game was. So there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, why did you choose North Melbourne? I care. Yeah. Um, so 1996 was, I was in uh, I was in grade one at school. So, you know, when you're impressionable kids and every week you turn on the TV and see Kerry destroy teams, that was it. That was it. It was Kerry and then it all went from there. Fair enough. What are some of your mem- most memorable moments or least memorable moments working at North Melbourne? Uh, the most memorable, uh, there's a few, um, but the one that stands out the most would be after our finals win against Essendon in 2014. So when there was, mm-hmm. what, 80,000, 85,000. So normally after games, I would stay up in the media box, you know, do the full-time posts, look at a few comments, you know, reply to a couple and then make my way down to the rooms sort of 10, 15 minutes later. But obviously, first finals win for that group of players, and I thought, I've got to get down there. MCG is so much harder to get down to the rooms than Eddie had. So um, <laughs> so I was sort of running through the MCC, got the lift, got to the bottom of the lift, and as I got out of the lift, there's still like a 500-meter walk to the rooms, and I walk around the corner, and I see Carl Delina and his wife, and we're sitting there like, do you, do you think we missed the song? Because obviously we all wanted to get down there for the song. So we're like, nah, but we, we better we better get there quick. So it was myself, Carl, who's obviously the CEO, and his wife were sprinting down the car park of the MCG 
trying to get to the rooms in time to watch the song. And as the benefit of being with Carl, he just walked straight in and I just slid in behind him and we got there <laughs> for the song. So that's that that's the one that stands out the most for sure. Um yeah, it's not not too often you get a run through the car park with the with the CEO. <laughs> Uh, that, that's a bit different. <laughs> yeah. uh, good, good bonding experience. <laughs> exactly. Good fun. It, it, it's, it's all up for grabs after a final, so everything happens and it's a, it's a madhouse, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. Fair enough. Finally, what are your thoughts on the planned redevelopment of North Melbourne? As in the, the land redevelopment? Yeah, in terms of that and the club, yeah. adding new facilities, yep. Yeah. I love it. Um, I mean, it's it's such an ambitious thing, which is awesome. And it's a once, I mean, once in a generation, it's probably underselling it. It's probably a once in a lifetime opportunity because that area around it is becoming so residential. If you wait even another three, four years, it turns into houses and then the opportunity is gone to build out. And if it all comes off, which I think by judging by the reports, it looks like it's all mm. progressing pretty smoothly with all the council stuff. Um, you've got you're not landlocked in, and you've got a huge, huge facilities that aren't going to be cramped, and they're going to last you for half a century at least. You know, um, so I mean, if it all comes off, which it's going to host our, our women's team, our men's team, our VFL team, and be a community hub as well, and who knows what other developments would come in the next decade or two, um, and it would have the space to host it as well. So I mean, I can't say anything bad about it, and it's, it's really going to set us up if it all goes well for the next half a century and be, be a leader in the community, what the club wants to do. And I think they're well on the way to. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Ricky. I appreciate that. All right. Now, moving on to the ever-popular thumbs up, thumbs down segment, which I know Quiv's a big fan of. <laughs> My first thumbs up is no injuries during the JLT series or no serious injuries anyway. And my second thumbs up is the return of Marley Williams to the back line after a pretty decent injury layoff. He adds a lot to our defence. My thumbs down is probably the unflattering losing margins in the end in the JLT. And my second thumbs down is Rowan Connolly joining Essendon, which is a shame as he was a very likeable bloke, but now now I don't know who he is. When so you say when joining Essendon, what does that mean? Sorry. I think he's being involved in the media department. I'm not entirely sure yet. All no, all heard was joining Essen and then he, he died, according to me. <laughs> so we <laughs> so all thumbs up and down with. Um, as usual, I'm never prepared, but um, I guess since since we last spoke, we've had a few contract signings. So big thumbs up to Higgins and Tarrant, um, LDU, Gunn, and I think there's one other who completely escapes me at the moment but pretty happy to retain for players, some players for what's going to be a tough couple of years. Good to see they're going to commit to it. Um, that's about it for me. I think I'll, I'll K for E, sorry. No, that's all right. I'm used to it now. Your positives are negatives, Rick. <laughs> I'm a simple man. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Who are we up to? Are you up to me? <laughs> well, we're up to Rick. You're going last. Oh, me, me first. All right. Um, I guess the thumbs up would be... I mean, you know, the last couple of years, it feels like we've been had more players on the sidelines and actually ready to play. So having a, a pretty small injury list uh, is is definitely a thumbs up, especially getting Jai back so early. I thought, I reckon we all thought he might have been sort of in doubt for round one, let alone playing in JLT two and, and playing 
close to a full game. So that, that's definitely the thumbs up. Um, thumbs down, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little later on, is uh, Lukey missing that game. Luke McDonald missed that game for uh, breaking team rules, which is a little worrying so early in the season. Thank you. And Philly? Um, I'll give a thumbs up to the article that was with that, um, that young girl, Hamdi, I think her name was. I was really blown away by the article. I don't know. If you got, did you guys read it? Does anyone else see what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah it was great. The huddles, the huddles it's gone, come on leaps and bounds. The stuff they do there is so amazing. Probably what my, my thumbs up is is the huddle. I actually showed the article to my um, to my kid. He, he had to, as a school assignment, he had to write a letter, write a letter back to an uh an author who'd written in the newspaper, so I'd used a bit of license and actually used got him to got him to write to the author about that article. So he wrote he wrote quite a quite a big assignment on it, and he's actually um, in the letter that he's written, he's said that he wants to go and work at the huddle and volunteer and help teach kids how to read and help with that as well. So I thought it was really cool. It obviously impacted him quite a lot as much as it did I did as much as it impacted me. So that was cool. Um, another thumbs up is that obviously footy's a week away, so I'm pretty pumped up. Maybe a thumbs down. I haven't been on big footy much of late, but I went on there to have a look about the gender equality thing, and so it was see what the uh, the general consensus was. And on the on big footy, it seemed like there was a general negative consensus, which was a bit disappointing. I thought it was really cool that the clubs taking a front foot in something else, like they did with the anti pokey stance and, uh, and a few other things. So I think the clubs doing the right thing and doing a great job, and I just think we should all get behind them. Fair enough. Yeah, 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 I, I, I unfortunately great. contributed to that, so I apologise about that, Fred. <laughs> you that was did. Was, it was kind of a thumbs down to you. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a thumbs down directly at you, actually. Now that I <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, I think Teffy towed a stronger line than I did. I, I was trying to be a little bit... Why are you stronger? But <laughs> he went a bit stronger than I did, but I, you're yeah. right, Teffy. He, he speaks his mind. So we'll, <laughs> we'll move on to club discussion. So... The Luke McDonald suspension, fair enough, Billy? Uh, yeah, I think it's fair enough. He got suspended. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to hang the guy either because we all do things like that and we have a, you know, we make mistakes and especially Luke, he seems, I've seen Luke out and about a couple of times and he looks like he enjoys a cool, frothy beverage. But um, yeah, at this time of the year, we, we want want our players to be switched on and be do, to be doing the right things, especially when, I guess, they're on a community camp down in Tassie trying to, you know, Put across the right image to the people down there, and we all pay our memberships. We all work hard to pay our memberships, and you know we, we want to win games. And if being putting the right things on and off the field is the way to do that, then that's the way that it should be, I think. But I, again, I don't want to hang him. He's fine, but I think it was called for. Yeah, I think it's a good way to sum it up. Like it's not, it's not something you know you want to be banned for six weeks over. It's just yeah, it, no. he's all of a sudden he's become. You know, one of the more experienced players, and I would imagine he has captaincy ambitions in the future as well. It's just not setting yeah. a good example to a club where there's you know so many young guys, impressionable youngsters as well, and especially after what happened at Jai a few weeks ago. Um, you hope it's one of those little things that gets nipped in the bud. That's right, and also what happened at Kane Turner last year as well. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's not a pattern or anything yet, but I mean, you know, we should we should be a little bit careful about the the way that the you know, the players should be careful about the way that what they what they do is perceived by fans and kids and opponents and coaches and, and sponsors and everyone. It's just a it's a holistic approach, isn't it? We just got to be a bit better. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. I mean, then by all reports, it was. It wasn't like he had, you know, ten beers. He only had had one or two. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was just sitting there, you know, point two five or anything. So um, mm. you know, hopefully he responds well on field next week, and, and then we go from there. Yep. Yeah, agree. All right. So we'll move straight on to the beer field, and I don't think we can add much more to the McDonald's suspension. Everyone's had their say on that. Uh, so the first VFL practice match is at Arden Street, which is fantastic against Williamstown on Saturday morning, so 10.30 that one. Uh, Paul O'Hearn's apparently one of the AFL-listed players playing with the VFL team on Saturday, which is good. And you get as much time pumped into him as possible. So I wanted to ask you, Rick, before we move on, what impact does our own VFL t- team have on development of North's non-best 22 players? Yeah, it's sort of the million-dollar question, isn't it? I mean, we've been hanging out for our own team for so long, Um and then, and now we sort of finally get those questions answered by watching how how it all sort of unfolds and, and takes place. Um, I think it'll be it, if if not a full year, close to close to a full year before we see those benefits sort of come through to the senior side. I mean, obviously, um, Deeks, David Loder will have the VFL side playing, if not identical, they'll have them playing a similar style to the AFL side. Um, but just playing with your mates every week, you know. And then everyone hopefully being. We don't, hopefully, we don't get beat the VFL as much as we do in the AFL this year. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed that. Um, but yeah, just like, I mean, as long as everyone gets on the park and there's you know, 14, 15, 16 AFL listed guys on the field every week, um, just playing with each other. I mean, even the couple of years at Werribee, that would have been that would have been the plan, but then everyone got injured. So, I mean, um, and especially at this stage of the list development when everything's sort of up in flux and changing so often, I mean, you know. Benny Mackay's gone from you know back to forward to back to forward to back again, that sort of thing. So um, I think it's something that's going to develop, you know, week to week, and then sort of in the back half of the year, I think we'll start to see the benefits of everyone playing together, and fingers crossed, the rapid development of a few young guys. Yeah, I know it's a little bit off topic, but you just mentioned McKay. So where do you see him playing long term? My instinct is that he's a natural forward. Um, Me too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought I thought I might have been in the minority. That's good. I've got, I've got some backup. <laughs> I love um, him as a forward. Yeah, he, he just. I mean, I, I mean this in a good way, but he tries to hurt people with his physical mm-hmm. presence. Like he'll go through packs. You'll you'll try and clunk a few. And um, there was a quarter. There's a quarter and a half he had against um Essendon's VFL side last year, where he kicked three goals and had seven or eight marks. Um, pretty average conditions. Like it wasn't the conditions for a key forward. And for that quarter and a half, he looked like he was an AFL player at VFL level, which is something I'm sure you will hear on the North Melbourne website about 30 times from coaches this year because that's one of their buzzwords. And clearly it's been drilled into me now as well. Um, I saw that same game and he, I reckon he, I reckon he clunked about eight marks in that period of time you're talking about. Yeah. He, he just, he was almost unlucky and dropped six more. Like the ball was just, he was like he had a magnet. The ball was just gravitating to him every time he let out. And he was amazing in that game. Once you saw that game, you couldn't possibly argue that he should be playing in the back line, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I want, and I wonder if it's one of those sort of temporary things to put him back there to learn more about the forward, forward patterns and forward leading patterns. And I guess if he's planning on more experienced forwards, he'll see what they do. And then that, and then maybe next year or later this year, they switch him down forward and switch his own game. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's a natural forward, and also such a log jam now of key defenders. So um, I'm not sure how many games he's going to 
he's going to get if we can um if we, one if we only play two key defenders and two because there might be so many ahead of him mm. yep well of necessity especially with weight on his last kind of legs like i don't see him lasting beyond this year we do need that additional key forward yeah yeah big time um and i think i mean i guess they're gonna i don't know where madge sort of sits in the in the pecking order down back i mean maybe maybe they're gonna throw him to the halfway through the year you know who, who knows but um yeah the vfl will be um interesting to watch but i'm I, i'm actually happy to see um lee adams patchy's coaching coburg and we play them uh next week in a pracky match so it's good to see him him doing well after his after his career ended yeah it's a shame what happened with the concussions but hopefully he's doing a bit better yeah premiership coach um at south croydon as well so he's no he's, he's doing well for himself and i'm happy, happy for him that's good might see him back at North one day, maybe, hopefully. Ah, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> right, so thanks for that. So we'll move straight into the review now. So I know you can't read too much into JLT games, but final margin against Ninthmond wasn't particularly nice. It was very disappointing in the end. We actually did play better speaking than the of, Speaking of what? Sorry, speaking of Ninthmond, have you seen what happens if you type that on Big Footy now? What's that? No. Chiefs change it so anytime you type ninth minute, it says Premiership Mind. Oh, boy. It does not. It does. That is not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one way to put the phrase out of existence. Yeah. I'm, I'm still annoyed he changed the butt hurt to offended. That, that annoyed me a bit. <laughs> so I use that too often on that side. <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry, on, sorry topic. to cut you off there. <laughs> That's all right. Back on topic, as we normally do. So there were some impressive players from North. Goldie actually looked pretty good, as did Proust. His physicality was quite noticeable. Williams, Higgins, LDU showed good signs of improvement from his first game. So what did you take out of the preseason games, Philly? Uh, look, I, I thought Cunnington looked really fit. I thought that... Our midfield could be okay this year. I, th- I think it's. I think Higgins is going to have a good year. I'm not sure what mm. they should do with Jack Sable. I suspect that. I mean, I, I think a lot of fans, and especially probably on Big Footy, a lot of people would love to see him playing a lot more in the forward line. Um, mm-hmm. The the Goldie Proust thing is going to be really interesting all year. I think. I think Goldie probably deserves to get the the gig at the start, but I think it's pretty obvious we're not going to play both much at all from what you sort of read and what you, what it looks like when they do play together. It doesn't seem to work a lot. Um, look, I, I think it's going, to be, it's going to be a real development year. I, I hate to say it, but I hope we finish in the bottom two because I'd love to get one of those two South Australian kids with the first pick or the second pick. But I just hope, I just hope we see good, exciting footy. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go to the footy this year getting angry if we don't win a game, I've got to tell you. Fair enough. Mm. I bet you you will. I'll get angry at umpires and I'll scream and yell and back at <laughs> the Muppet. But I, w- I won't come home. I won't come home angry and kick the dog or anything. <laughs> Save the anger for the opposition players, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And occasionally <laughs> our own player. I mean, number 32 might copy the occasional little spray here and there. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> What what are your thoughts, Rick, on the preseason as a whole? Um, it's interesting because I mean, obviously the, the margins you know don't look great 
yeah, to, <laughs> to say the least. But um, I mean, I, I think Richmond and Melbourne, if not both in, in top four, um, I think one will be in top four and at, at worst both top six, you know. Um, I mean, I, I think I rate Melbourne uh, hot, probably more highly than most. But um, so I guess it's you probably it's like, is it, did we play badly because we're going to be a bottom two side or is it because the two sides we played are going to be, you know, really good? Um, so it's it's hard to judge a little bit. Um, Sorry but, to interrupt, then, but in, in the Melbourne yeah. game, we we did we weren't playing. We were, weren't playing. Experimental. Well, we? I mean, we were experimenting. We had blokes playing all over the place. I don't think we took the Melbourne game seriously at all. I don't, and I don't yeah. think we played that bad in that game either, by the way. I just think it got away a bit at the end, didn't it? I don't yeah, think we could give too much away seeing we play them in round three, so... Kind of just throw them off a bit. And we want to keep the streak alive. Bloody <laughs> earth we do. That's my number one goal this season. Just make it 17. Like it's, that's, that's it. All that's all I want. Just that, just that one win I'll, I'll be happy with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, but um, it's, um, it's just a year of questions, I think. Um, I think if, if we come out of this year with, you know, say add, adding five or six players to what you think is going to be the best 22 in three years' time. But I think it's a success. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think... I mean, it's obviously not speaking for anyone at the club, but I don't think anyone's under any illusions of where we're at. You know, no one's expecting to finish, you know, top four, top five. And and everyone, I think, understands that it's development year. And it's almost like a starting from ground zero to some extent. Well, so um, To be fair, that's probably picture. why they signed on Brad Scott, though, isn't it? They re-signed yeah. him because, because of that very fact. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, I think you want as much. I mean, there's almost no point, you know, starts yeah, upheaval and starting again when you've got so many young guys coming in. Um, well, you know, what's the, what's there what's there to lose by um by having Brad there for another couple of years and, and teaching the teaching the young guys? Um, I'm sure he would have learned um a lot from his first couple of years at the club when he was doing a similar sort of thing. I mean, I know a thread popped up on Bigfooty, sort of comparing now to 2010 and 2011 and one of the posts, I forget who made it, so if you're listening, uh, congratulations on the post. But um, they said they'd love to know what Brad would do differently now compared to 2010 and 2011. Because I'm sure he's learnt, he learnt a bunch and he's going to impart those lessons on, on the young guys this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, watching, just watching the Richmond game the first half, I actually thought everything from... Everything worked well except for our entries inside 50. Like everything seemed to work well, ball movement. It was, it was okay heading out of the back line. Like we seemed to open up their press quite a bit. It was just that final kick inside yeah. 50 that let us down a lot in the first half, and then they blew us away, obviously. Yeah, because it's almost been the story of the last last couple of years, hasn't it? It's, um, which is bizarre because you look at the numbers, and I mean, until until sort of halfway through last year, our inside fifty like efficiency had been actually really good, and it's like, well, that doesn't match up with what I'm seeing most of the time. How does that work? But um, I guess I think the, yeah, a lot of that's because of the pressure that Richmond were putting on. Though their their pressure is just incredible and non-stop. So every kick we had was under pressure. I mean, and Richmond yeah. had 19 Premiership players playing in that game, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and all job, yeah. 22 of them were the pretty, greatest players of all time. JL, pretty good JLT team to play. The commentary on that game was horrible. Yeah, I, I turned it on mute. I haven't listened to an AFL game in about two years. I'd listen to it on mute. Yep, get the podcast going in the background. Awesome music. Yeah. Best way That's to be. It. That's it. 
because they just make me more angry anyway and just amplify my angry feelings. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what we're going to get this year with Richmond. Yeah, that's it. Anything to add on the review before we head into the preview? No, righto. No. We'll head into the preview. <laughs> I know we have all differing thoughts and expectations for the season. Or actually, the expectations about the same, but... I wanted to get Rick's opinion on what we can expect from North Melbourne in 2018. Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, not many wins. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think um, with all the potential uh, draft capital coming sort of later this year, um, if all goes well, I guess we have Taron Thomas and then you know, hopefully all those father-sons, whether they all end up picking us or not, you know, who, who knows, it's... Um, yeah, to be determined. Um, so I don't think I don't think we'll mind too much if we finish bottom two or bottom three or bottom four, um, which is where at the moment, I, if you had, if I had to pick a ladder position, I'd probably say so at bottom four. Um, I, I can't bring myself to say bottom, but I think there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's an opportunity. Um, but I think these first the first two weeks in particular will be really interesting. Gold Coast up there um, in those I think it's weather forecast at the moment is pretty warm and, and pretty humid and chance of a shower like it always is. Um, and then coming back for Good Friday, six-day break against St Kilda, um, who we didn't play well against at all last year. And, um, and you know, and everyone inside the club always sets themselves for these sort of big milestone games. And and obviously, if we want to keep Good Friday, we have to put up a good showing. And mm. and that'll be, um, that'll be drilled into everyone, you know, players, coaches, admin staff, that'll be drilled into everyone with... Um, yeah, really, really straightforward. Um, so, I mean, if you can if you can split those two, you know, one and one and two good performances, you never know. Um, you get a couple more wins, and it's funny, it's funny how confidence works. All of a sudden, you know, those those kicks in board are coming off. Everyone's running to the right spots, and, mm. and it's it's sort of that wave of momentum that Richmond and Bulldogs have have rode to the last couple of flags. Hopefully, no oh, one yeah. misinterprets that as me saying we're going to win the flag if we win a couple of games. But um, but that sort of thing, so confidence and momentum. But, um, yeah, overall, I think it'll be a long year in terms of losses. But um, I'm looking forward to watching the young guys play and, and getting some game time and, and fingers crossed showing some good signs for the next couple of years. What can we take out of this year, Quiv? Um, I guess it's just another year into the kids. Um We'll get, you know, 20 games, hopefully, into the likes of LDU, Ghana, um, Turner, you know, all these injury-prone players, Mason Wood, hopefully all find their form and get get some quality game time because it's the only way we're going to improve. We don't want to waste this year. Um, but just repeating the same thing over and over again. We need to find something that works and build off of that, and we need to do that pretty quickly. Fair enough. Anything to add, Philly? Yeah, I mean, it's basically the same as the others. I think it's it's a real it's going to be a real development year. I I hope we play really well. I'm going to be cheering hard for us every week. Like, like uh, Rick said, though, I, I think we can start reasonably well. I think without... Gary Ablett, we actually match up okay against Gold Coast. And I don't think St Kilda are any good. I, th- I think St- the people that are saying St Kilda are going to make the eight, I, I think they're kidding themselves. I think St Kilda will be right down with us near the, near the bottom end of the ladder. I think they've lost they've lost Rewalt and he was 
probably if he wasn't their best player last year, he was probably in their top three. That's easy, so most think, important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just don't. I think their forward line's trash. And I, I agree, one hundred percent. I don't. I don't think their back line's as good as they think it is. And they've got some front runners that play in the midfield, but they don't. I don't think they've got a great midfield. I just. I just think they're a real so-so team, and they mm. need for, for them to have any success. They needed McCartan to turn out, and he hasn't. So I think they're going to stink. So I, I, I think we could, we could start the season reasonably well, but once we start hitting, you know, some of the big boys, I think we're going to get pushed around a little bit, and and that's okay. I, I think like like I think you said, Quiv, I think getting games in at LDU and Simkin and hopefully Ahern. I hope Ahern's a, a big one this year, and and we load up with some more draft picks for next year, and hopefully we get those three father sons, and we get Taron Thomas, and we get one of the top two picks from South Australia, hopefully, and then. You know, it's, it, it could be a really quick rebuild. If we can bring all those three father sons plus Taron Thomas plus one of the South Australian kids and then the following year, Josh Kelly's back on the market and all those sorts of things become available. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it, it could be... It could be If we can get the, the big South... Is his name... Luke, I can't pronounce his surname. What's his name? Does anyone know? Lucas. If we could get him and Ben Brown to, to team up in the forward line... And have Ahern, Simpkin, LDU, Josh Kelly, Cunnington. I mean, that all of a sudden you're looking at a really exciting, big, strong, fast team that kicks a lot of goals. So I, I think it can turn around really fast if things work out well in yeah. the next twelve months. No, it's yeah, funny. look at so gum. I was just going to say you all just talk about Taron Thomas and. And then I think Pikey was just talking today about that some people rate Scott quite higher than him. That. Thomas isn't quite going to be the midfield. Yeah, I mean, you know what? A lot of things change in the, in this last year before they get drafted too. Like kid, some kids that you think that kid's going to be the number one draft pick, and all of us, by the time they go through this last year, they can slip right down the board, and then some of them go 30, 40. And just the other way, kids like, was it Clayton Oliver? No one had him in their top 40 in his draft year, and all of a sudden he just worked his way up the draft and went in the top five. So it, things can change, no doubt, but I think Taron Thomas has shown enough early enough. Was, was there a rumour going around he was coming over to Victoria this year? Did that not happen? No, that's happening. It is. He's going to play was... a few VFL games because obviously there's a lot of issues with the Tasmanian State League. That's where a lot of Correct. that's why a lot of people think he was slipped because the standard's going to drop with the withdrawal of the two bigger teams from their state league. So the quality of football is not going to be as high and whatnot. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I want him. I'm excited about him. I reckon he's going to be good. The, the footage that I've seen of him is that he he looks a little bit. Uh, I don't want to use the word lazy. He looks a little bit laconic, maybe. But when he's got the ball in hand, he, he looks pretty special. Eh? Well, apparently he's a bit of a flanker type in terms of a Burgoyne type mould. So it should be interesting. If he turns out half the player he is, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, one positional thing I'm looking for this year is um. Who well, I'm assuming by the end of the year the club's going to want to earmark a replacement for Scotty Thompson as that second mm. second tall defender, and clearly yeah. at the moment it's what Madge playing back, uh, Mackay playing back, Dirds, um, uh, Declan Watson if he's whenever he gets back to 100% fitness, uh, Dan Nielsen who's the forgotten man, and out of I assume out of those four or five they're going to look for someone to emerge and grab that spot. I- um, I really rate Nielsen because, like Thompson, he can play tall and small, and he has some of the best closing speed I've seen on a defender. 
in recent years. Where's he been, mate? Where's he been? He's not playing, is he? No, there's nothing wrong with him either. I'm not sure why. Something's going it's interesting, yeah. Weird. Yeah, I assume he'll be lining up in that VFL practice match uh, on the weekend. I guess it'll be good to see his, uh, his progress then. I mean, I'm sure he's yeah. been working on a lot over the preseason, a couple of focus areas. I guess his disposal is probably the main thing. Because, um, I mean, I guess in terms of dispo- purely disposal, when you're going from Scotty Thompson to Dan Nielsen, it's obviously a downgrade. So um, yeah. can can his disposal improve enough where you trust him with ball in hand? I guess I guess we'll wait and see. Well, My one would be that Durden would like... take that spot. Yeah, I'd love Durden to take that spot, but he just doesn't <clears> seem <throat> like he's got the the intensity to do it, does he? he, he I, I like him as a player. He's a nice footballer, but Scott Thompson's a little bit rabid and a little. he's got that really high intensity, I think. And mm. I, I don't think Durden fits that mould, and I think we need that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, I think he lacks that... I'm not sure if it's physicality. I'm not sure if that's right. Like, he doesn't seem to have that kind of edge, competitive edge that guys like, you know, Turner, Garner, Brown, mm. Goldie of 2015 kind of thing. He doesn't have that about him. Mm. be interesting to see if that's something that's sort of rectified where maybe he just doesn't feel comfortable at the moment. And, you know, some players bring that sort of intensity every week regardless, but other players need sort of five or six games in a row and yeah. but and I guess if there's any time for him to be afforded that luxury, I guess this year is the year. So be interesting so it's to see funny, how but it all People develops. probably said the same thing about Robbie Tarrant there at a stage that he was a little bit laconic. He, he sort of didn't know whether he really wanted to be there, and he didn't have that real aggression. But then yeah. the last mm. few years, there's probably yeah. no one more intense that plays for North Melbourne than Robbie Tarrant. Yeah, he reminds me a little so, bit of Lockie in his early years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But Lockie was one oh, of yeah. the most courageous players you ever meet. Like you yeah. see on the footy field. It's just yeah, he's just his general demeanour was uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not intense. <laughs> and, and he's a funny guy. He's a bit but... like that in some ways as well. So he he presents that way anyway. I'm not, not going to question his intelligence or anything like that. <laughs> I, I'm not funny. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Stones and glass, glass walls <laughs> and all that. <laughs> Anyway, so what kind of style of footy do you expect from North this year, Rick? Do you expect that pressure, setting up plays behind the ball kind of style of footy that everyone's trying to emulate? Um, judging by Brad's comments, um, and I guess I guess I'm lucky enough to have um, you know, six six years of press conferences, midweek, um, post game, and I guess I can sort of read through what he's saying and the message he's trying to he's trying to put out there. Um, I think. The focus is definitely going to be on attacking and not necessarily replicating what's in at the moment and trying to find a different angle on it and something that can beat that press. Um, I guess yeah, everyone always says it's a copycat league, but you know, for example, Richmond, they might have copied the Bulldogs, but they got better. And how how do you get better pressure than what Richmond did? Can you? I don't, I don't know if you can. Like it was just fanatic, and I don't think anyone's ever seen something like that before. So. Do you, I think we'll be approaching it from a different angle in terms of game styles. Like, how do you beat that pressure with something else? Is it skills? Is it being more aggressive with your ball use? Is it maybe maybe it's playing, you know, a traditional stay-at-home full forward, like something out of the box like that? Um, yeah. Judging by the way we moved the ball against Richmond, it was um, it was almost kamikaze at times. But um, I think that provided a little glimpse that we're definitely going to be attacking. So maybe there'll be games where we lose them sort of, 150 to 110, you know, but um, yeah. 
I think it's going to be a very much attack, attack, attack. Yeah. So you reckon a bit more? Because what I saw was a bit more corridor type football instead of like the. Because mm. Scott came from the multi house style thinking of down the wing, down the wing, edge down the wing, and then get in, lock it into your forward line. But he's obviously yeah. evolved and changed from that. You go, oh, let's go down the corridor. That can break it open a bit. Yeah, huge. And I wonder, and the one thing I worry about with that is keeping the confidence of the players up if it doesn't work for a couple of weeks. Like, say, we play that way. First three weeks, and we're zero and three. Hopefully not, because we have Melbourne in round three, don't we? So, um, yeah. hopefully, hopefully it's one and one and two. Um, can they or will they keep doing it? Or I guess the natural response after that will be to go into your shells, you know. Um, and then we probably wouldn't score enough goals to be close to any to- any side. So, um, yeah, it's interesting how yeah Brad's taken a lot from Multi House, but also taken a lot from Lee Matthews. But um, I think even though the perception externally is that he won't is that he won't try things. Um, he definitely does. It's just a matter of the players being able to actually carry it out on the field. Which yeah. Is, um, yeah. And I think if we take lessons too from his first crack at developing a side, we, they always played really attacking, exciting football through those years. And mm. you, you, I, you can, I can remember floggings to Collingwood, floggings to Geelong and floggings to Hawthorne. Yeah. But, but at all those times, we were playing attacking football. We never parked the bus. We never put players behind the ball. And, and it was more about d- developing the way that we wanted to play our football moving forward. And uh, despite us not winning a premiership and getting to a grand final under Brad, I think that, that it was a really fun way to watch it. At least if, if we were losing games, we were losing them the right way, in inverted commas. Whereas the, the other way to develop a side is the way that Carlton's done it under Brenton Bolton, which is seriously parking the bus. I don't know whether you guys yeah. remember the game last year, but he had... He had he yeah. like one man short in the, in the centre. He had everyone behind the ball. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Outrageous. One, um, one centre bounce they started with two forwards in the forward 50. Like, I've, I've never Mate, seen I, that I before. I think one centre bounce they started with none. Yeah. I, I think That's I sat surprising. with his tweet. They had everyone behind the ball. Yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous. But I don't, I don't know how you learn anything from that. I don't know. I just... I think that's just to stop the bleeding and, and it's fair enough it's teaching a team how to defend but at what point in your life are you ever going to do that it just seems strange to me but and and I, I don't and as a result I don't I don't really like Carl I don't like the, the way that their list looks even because I, I think it's, it's just it's too defensively minded they're going to have some yeah. stars because they've they finished down the bottom but I don't know. I can leave that. Yeah, now. but if you go on the main board and everyone's like, "Oh, they, they're the next team on the rise," but the thing is, mate, but they've been saying their that for forward years. line's absolute junk. It's it's shocking. There's one decent player up there, one semi-decent player in right, like Kerno and right, probably the only two decent forwards they've got. Yeah, I think Kerno Kerno could be a gun, and and do you know what? If Kerno turns turns out to be as good as what some people think he's going to be, then he's going to hide a lot of. Other ills, like he—he's—he's he's the sort of guy who turns out to be a, a Kudafidis type or a Wayne Carey type or whatever the people think he's going to be. I mean that those those sorts of players can, can hide the the rest of the side not being that good. But mm-hmm. but Murphy's getting a bit older. I don't think he's that much good. And no. Cripps, they they all get a little bit aroused about. He's 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 a he's a good he's a good footballer, but I don't know. He's he doesn't really excite me that much. He's okay. He's in a great situation. I mean, he's a contested ball beast. He's in a great situation because he's probably the the purest contested ball guy. Yeah, that there is, and he's that he's a big enough size where he can go forward. I think. Um, but when you stack your list with two or three of them, I think people would look at him differently. But because he's the only one of that type on the yeah. list, he's, it's perfect for him. And then and he gets his you know gets his thirty, he gets his seven eight clearances, and 
it's per situation and, and you maximise it. a bit as well. Like you just, he seems a bit fragile to me. Like he gets he gets hurt and he's out of games and he had OP and he's just he's not quick. He's not he, he's a bit. He's really big and he's strong and he probably plays the game the the right, the right way. But, he's slimmed down a lot this year. By the way, I caught a glimpse of him in the preseason game. Yeah, he's definitely very trim. Mm. I mean, losing Gibbs is going to hurt them. He was their best player last year, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So I'm not sure how we've gone to Carlton. That's probably my fault. No. <laughs> <laughs> no that, that's what tends to happen. It's either Carlton or Richmond. It always happens. <laughs> <laughs> or Melbourne. Yeah, or Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. Or Essendon. Yeah, that happens too. Right, so, <laughs> Nate's on. Yeah, that's when Nate's on. Yeah, yeah. All right, so anything else to add before we finish up, fellas? I would say probably one thing is that we're clearly in a selling mode for the future, um, which probably goes back to what we were talking about before about about, about attacking. Um, so I guess if that's how I'll be looking at this season, everything through that lens of what are we selling, what are we, um, what are we sort of predicting for the next couple of years? Um, it's not so much about round one or round two in twenty seventeen. It's about round one in twenty nineteen. And how, how we get there, and and what that twenty two is going to look like at at that stage. So that's my that's how I'm looking at this season. But, um, we'll see if I'm in the minority or the majority. <laughs> mm. oh, that's well said. Yeah, that's it. Next next year's the one. That's it. Look to the draft. Tackle football done. All right. So I'd like to thank Quiv and Philly Roo for jumping on tonight. Not a problem. And finally, I'd like to thank Rick for jumping on and giving the show some much-needed football analysis. Uh, you're selling yourself short, but thank you. And a certain level of class, too. There was a lot of class there today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't have that. All right. <laughs> so I know I've promised this last podcast, so my apologies, but the Tasmanian and Cricket Fiends podcast with Brett Jeeves is on next week. So we'll be talking primarily Tasmanian sports, state of the state league and whatnot as well. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes because Chief breathes down my neck if I don't. There it is. And if you haven't done so already. And you can find us on Twitter where Greg typically uses it to attack people. Mm. At this stage, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to send me a mean message. He's going to send you a really mean message for that. From no the worries. Sam Look account. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at this stage there's no update on live streaming mainly because I can't be bothered. But I might work on it one of these days if the man gets high enough. So thanks for listening, everyone, and tune in next week. Bye-bye.